All right, welcome back to another episode. We are School Story, where educational leaders gather to share, learn, and grow. I'm Stuart Hudnall, and in today's episode, we're exploring leadership styles, finding your unique approach. Uh, leadership in education, it's not just a title. It's about shaping futures, guiding teachers, and molding students. And my co-host today is... Spencer Campbell, thank you so much for coming back and joining us and talking about leadership styles. Uh, talking about how do you know what your leadership style is? So we're going to kind of go through different segments. Um, and so, Stuart, how do you know what your leadership style is? Um, does it just happen? Does it just appear? Have you taken quizzes? What have you done to find your leadership style? Great question. And I should clarify, uh, Spencer is my co-host today and forever. So we're just throwing that out there. Why not? But he is today. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, yeah, Maybe we'll get today. somebody else. Maybe he'll be voted off the island. Uh, great that question be, about leadership. That could, that could happen. Yeah, it could. You're right. Uh, the interesting thing about leadership is it definitely changes with time. Uh, the administrator I started as is very different from the leader that I am today. Uh, I also think the context of the situation changes it a little bit. Uh, but in the end, leadership style and education, it's, it's interesting because it's not just managing the curriculum. It's not just managing the people, even though it feels like we do a lot of that managing the finances. What we're looking to do is really inspire change. We want to champion innovation. We want to be that pillar of support. Um, there's some really transformational leaders out there, kind of like Jamie Escalante. He's known for his work in East LA. He inspires and motivates his team. He fosters an environment where the innovative ideas thrive. Uh, and today we're going to dive into some of that. But what about you, Spencer? What's your educational leadership philosophy? Um, I like you, I think it changes over time. I also think it's situational. Uh, we, we talked last week a little bit about core values and there are times when things happen where my core values are kind of, you know, hit. And so I'm a little bit more, you know, precise and kind of stern and just kind of like, Hey, I'm not breaking my core value. And there's other times when I really don't care about the outcome of the decision that we have to make or the, or the, or, or the situation that's happening. And so I'm okay being a little bit more, and I don't wanna say lenient, but the idea is just stretching, stretching that style. And so we talk about styles, there's, you could look all over the internet, right? There's a bunch of different ones. Um, you know, I think generally when we talk about education, there's, there's four or five main, uh, maybe six styles. So there's visionary, um, affiliative, directive, democratic, pace setting, coaching, and some of those we'll, we'll talk about and what that looks like. They might have different names, but there's a lot of different places where you can actually take quizzes and kind of self-assessments. Some of them are free. Um, you know, there's the DISC personality assessment, which is D-I-S-C, not D-I-S-K. Uh, and that's drive, influence, clarity, and support. We talk about that. Uh, I think another big one, and the reason it's fresh on my mind is our, our district is sending all of our administrators, uh, currently principals and stuff like that to this is Deloitte has their business chemistry and they're connecting that with uh, educational leadership. So they have a whole education arm to their kind of Deloitte leadership program. Are there other ones that you have taken in the past or that you think would be helpful for people to look at when they're kind of trying to find their own leadership style? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, the ones that I've traditionally heard and, and really read a lot about were the transformational leadership, uh, what that looks like, instructional leadership, servant leadership. Uh, so th for those that don't know, transformational leadership, uh, what that does is, is you're setting those high expectations and you're working with the team. Um, 
whoever it is, whether it's your teachers, your students, your staff, uh, to achieve them. Instructional leadership. Uh, one of my favorite examples is Ron Clark at his Ron Clark Academy. He really focuses on enhancing the teaching and learning process, what that looks like. And they've got some really radical, cool stuff that's happening there. Uh, servant leadership. That really can be exemplified by a lot of people that I've personally worked with. Um, but some of the big names like Ken Robinson, he was really emphasizing the, the growth, the well-being of the team, you know, the communities that they served and really being that servant in that leadership position. Each one is quite different. And, and I, I hesitate because sometimes people will pigeonhole themselves and say, oh, I'm just that type of leader. When really, like you mentioned, it depends on the situation where I feel like there's times where you are a transform transformational leader. And then you have to hop to that instructional leader where you're working with something within the classroom or with the teacher. And then there's other times where you get to be that servant leader and provide that servant, that help that is needed in the situation. I, I, I think it also depends. And when I say depends on is what team you're on, right? So the type of teachers that you have collectively, who your APs are, who your principals are, who your head secretary is, like who your coaches are in your building. So your, your leadership style and the way that you work also depends not only with, you know, who is in the school with you, but also the type of community that you're with. Uh, you and I have been in different communities and we've had to take on different leadership roles based on the community. When I say community, I'm, all, I'm talking about the whole thing collectively, not necessarily the socioeconomic community that we're in, um, but just the way that the school interacts with the stakeholders, the parents, the students. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about those like uh, kind of case studies uh, a little bit later. But I think one of the things that happens is as you get put in situations, even as a teacher leader, right? So if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, even as a teacher leader, you get put into situations where you make decisions and those decisions kind of build your leadership style or you may see something else that you really, really like. So I remember early on uh, as, as a new assistant principal, I my mentor was my principal and he was very service oriented. Just everything he did was about service. And uh, he, he also had this this um, kind of I want to say it's like the Disneyland effect where it's everybody's yeah. job in the school to keep the school clean. So mm -hmm. if he was walking down the hall and he saw a piece of trash, he'd pick it up and throw it away. Uh, if he saw a mess in the lunchroom that needed to be cleaned up, he wouldn't wait for the custodian to do it. He would go grab a mop and just do it. And that was a clear message to everybody in the school that there's no job beyond uh, you know, him or anybody else, it's all, we're all working for the betterment of the kids in the community. And, and I've kind of picked that up a lot and it's kind of stuck with me as I've gone through, um, you know, the, some of the locations and schools that I've been at. And yeah. so I think that was super helpful to have a mentor that was, was that way. Uh, what about you? What are some of the first things that you picked up on as far as your own style or learning from others? Uh, it really is interesting, especially when you're able to be on an administrative team where you have uh, multiple people. So my first one, we had five assistant principals and the principal. So while I was able to see the principal's philosophy and his style, um, I was also able to see four other assistant principals with their type of leadership. And it is interesting. I You almost can learn more from bad leaders than you can from good leaders. 
because you can quickly learn what works, what doesn't work, um, how it's perceived by the faculty, how it's perceived by the staff. Um, and so I had some really great leaders in my first decade of education, and I've had some leaders that were very informative to learn from. Um, and I'm sure people can say the same thing about me in regards to that. I'm oh, sure, sure they can. I've heard of, I've heard them. I've heard them say some right? things. It's about true. You. Yeah. <laughs> RateMyAdministrator.com. I rank quite low. So, so let me ask you about this. And I, knowing that we're talking to administrators, but potentially maybe teachers that are listening to this, were there things that you picked up on as a teacher that you were like, I am never going to do that when I become an administrator or, oh my gosh, I love the way this happened. I want to handle myself like that when something like that happens. Like, do you have a specific example? Yeah, uh, I specifically remember having an administrator that would come into our weekly PLC meetings that we were heading this way. I was a department chair. I was really working hard on moving that direction and they would come in and we would just, we'd shift that way. We'd shift that way. It was, they would come in and not help the situation. They'd come in and derail it because they didn't want to talk about PLC or for whatever reason. So we'd start talking about football or, or something completely unrelated. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the administrator. I'm going to be the leader that walks in and, and is helpful and adds doesn't necessarily distract or take away. The, the example I was thinking of is, uh, is I, I think I stated uh, maybe last time I didn't, but after I taught for three years, I had the opportunity to go back into the business world. And I remember going into uh, the, the principal's office and, and letting him know. And I was really nervous about how to handle this whole thing because um, I'd loved my job, but I just felt like this was a much better opportunity. And, and I've heard of, and I've actually seen it now multiple times in different buildings where, um, you know, somebody decides that maybe education is not for them or they go to a different field. And I've heard administrators, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And they're just yeah. a total jerk about the whole thing, right? Whether it's a female or a male. And yeah. one of the things I learned from him, he said, listen, he said, I want you and your family to be happy. And if you feel like this is going to make you and your family happy, I support you 100%. Do I hate to lose you? Yes, absolutely. We love you. You're an asset on our team. We love having you at the school. But I recognize that this is what's best for you and your family at this moment in time. And I wish you the best if there's anything that I can do to help you. And I just thought that was so awesome because that's something that I hadn't seen up until that point in any of my careers, especially in the business world, where it's kind of like if you're leaving, people are like, we'll get out. You're replaceable. Peace we can out. hire somebody go. new. Yeah. Like we don't need you. And um, oops, I need you. Just my camera. Yeah. It was it was really refreshing to hear that from from him. And, and we're still good friends. And I talk to him about that every once in a while when we, when we meet. He's he's in our um uh, district office and we get to meet with them every once in a while, but so cool. Um, so my question is, how do you know what leadership style you have? How do you find it? So I think it's like these micro decisions stacked up to become who you are. Um, I, it, it's funny because I'm in a current situation where I, other leaders see me quite a bit. Uh, as far as the decisions I make um, in the situation that I'm in, which can be great. It also can be a little scary too, because I'm kind of under a microscope. Uh, we're, we're starting a new program. It's now in its third year in the district. And some people look at us very positively and other people don't. But I look at all of the micro decisions that build basically who you are. And and one of the things that, that I do, right? And this goes back to, um, oh my gosh, I just forgot her name. 
uh, core values. She has a whole book. Uh, uh, man. Oh, uh, I feel so bad. She's not going to listen to this podcast, but um, <laughs> I'll find it at the end. And now it's going to bother me. But I am not going to make a decision that breaks my core value of, you know, relationships or time or family. Um, because the moment I do, it turns into kind of regret and animosity towards whatever that is. Um, uh, it's Renee, uh, Brene Brown, oh, Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So Brene Brown talked this. about that. <laughs> no, she's not. But if she did, that'd be amazing. Anyway. Shout out so to Brene. This, this idea that I also don't want my teachers or staff or whatever to be put in situations where they have to break their core values. And, and so I really try hard to a find out what those core values are, you know, to follow up with them because core values change. Um, and so for me, I would label myself as if I had to, like a majority would be uh, servant leadership. I love serving my teachers. I love serving my staff. I love helping them grow and putting them in opportunities where they can grow. Does that mean I, I disagree put down? Okay. I, that's fine so to disagree. I disagree. I think you're more of a visionary leader. I know the position you're put in, you had to basically create a school from scratch in a different medium than what you were traditionally trained in. And you were able to do a lot of really cool things that a lot of people I don't think would have thought of or even sought advice on. So servant leader, yeah, but I definitely would categorize you as a visionary leader as well. The visionary leader has to get those things done though, right? We're still working through them. And that's yeah. that's the hope is that that I'm here long enough to 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 keep those things to to look at those. Okay. So and you not, can pay I'm me the gonna... 20 bucks later. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. what about you? What what do you think? So I think a good way to figure out what you are, I definitely agree hundred percent with you, is all those little decisions. It it's like anything in life, it's really not the big major decision. Typically, it's all the little decisions that add up. Uh, but sometimes it's hard when you get caught in your own window and you're, it's hard to perceive yourself. Um, what I found to be helpful, kind of like what I just did for you, is to ask others that I trust. Um, others that aren't just going to tell me what I want to hear, but they're going to be more of the person that tells you how it is, is open and honest with you. But not only open and honest with you, but they are also knowledgeable about you. Like my mom, I love my mom. Shout out Mama Hudnell. But uh, she doesn't see my educational leadership in action very often, if ever, really. So while I value what she thinks of me, and God bless her, if I'm trying to figure out my educational leadership style, I want to be talking to the people that are in the trenches with me, that see me often, that I trust, and that I know. And when I've done that, the great thing is it also elicits feedback from them. So they feel more open and they're more willing to share that type of stuff with me. So when I do screw up, they're like, yo, Hud and all that, you, you messed that one up. You made the wrong decision. And that allows a conversation, which um, I think is an important part of leadership within a school. So would that be, would that be teachers too, as well as administrators? Oh, absolutely. In fact, sometimes they're the best. Okay. So I, I do think that that's difficult for a lot of people. I, I mean, I, I say that because you and I, that's why we get along is because we have a lot of the same like ideas about stuff. But I think naturally people do not want to get feedback. Looking. 
they they don't want feedback because it sh it gives them their weaknesses or where they can improve. And for me, I'm like, let's do it. Send it my way. If I can get better and I, and it hurts my feelings for a couple of days, then boom, then we'll we'll get over it and we'll just we'll do better. But I yeah. I think that is rare. And I, you know, some people are like, oh, I'll take feedback anytime. And I'm like, no, no, you won't, you won't. Um, maybe, but most it's not people easy. don't like feedback. No, and I think it's right. a skill for most that you have to learn. It doesn't always come natural. Uh, one book that will I'll do in one of my our book reviews for sure. It's called Radical Candor, and it right. talks a lot of bit about a lot about that. And it isn't easy. And there are times where it has been pretty hurtful, uh, but it allows me to self reflect. And I had a great leader once. She said, 80% of the feedback you receive, especially anonymous feedback, is crap." Uh, but 20% right. isn't. And if you're hearing the same thing over and over and over and over again, there's some value in looking at that and really taking stock of where you sit with that. Even, even if it's just a one-off, right? If there's a one-off teacher that has feedback for you, that's super critical, that's their reality. Right. And so whatever, yeah. whatever it looks like, I mean, and we don't need to get into the details of the feedback, but if that's they their reality when they're working with you, then that's the reality and you got to figure out a way to to kind of talk about that so we mentioned a couple of examples earlier i think you talked about let's see you talked about um ken robinson I, who else can i just share about? a couple yeah. of the feedback um, yeah so i just pulled it up because I, I i wrote a blog post a while ago about it uh some of them was Stop trying so hard to impress your superiors. Try a little humility. You'll get more mileage than trying to be popular. You don't have enough experience to teach someone else how to teach. Uh, this VP can wow. sometimes come across as unprofessional. He has a good heart and is trying, but sometimes is trying too hard. <laughs> Mr. Hudnell sometimes comes across as arrogant. Remember, we stuck it out in the classroom. You didn't. And granted, this was that's, like my first or second year out of the classroom. That's dirty. We stuck yeah. it out in the classroom and you yeah. didn't. <laughs> this one, yeah, I understand I you had a very got... short teaching career before going into administration. Perhaps you'd be more empathetic and supportive of the people you work with and for if you had taught for a longer amount of time. Ouch. <laughs> I, I could also see some of those people having maybe applied for the administrative pool and not getting in and they're a little bit frustrated. Irregardless, right? Irregardless and understanding the frustration there's some stuff that so suck. I, I was coming across as arrogant and I need to figure out how to come across a little bit um, with a little bit more humility. And so they, they were some good gut checks. That's interesting. So, okay. So I'm going to share a couple case studies. Is that okay? Yeah, well, I'll share yeah. one. You can share one. So uh, one is instructional leadership style. Um, and this is Daisy Dyer Dwyer. She's from St. Paul high school in Arkansas. Um, basically Shout she out to was Daisy. the principal. She was a high school. She was a rural school. Facing, I'm reading some of this just so that's why mm -hmm. I'm looking over here because I want to make sure I get this right. Right, a rural school facing dwindling enrollment and poor academic performance. Uh, Dwyer employed an instructional leadership style, improving teaching and learning processes. She implemented technology integration, personalized learning plans, and teaching professional development. Her leadership led to significant improvements in student uh, academic performance and increased college attendance rate. And then her approach showed how instructional leadership could effectively address educational challenges in rural settings. And I think one of the things that's amazing about this is once you get the ball rolling, 
the word gets out and it just just starts to snowball because then teachers want to teach at that school students want to go to that school parents want to move into that area and it just like it just rolls right okay um do you want to share the next one um yeah actually it's a different one it's going back to the ron clark with the ron clark academy okay. Uh, okay. shout out to ron clark and also to his book move your bus uh when i read it it was my first year or two in administration and and i love it uh this the subtitle the tagline an extraordinary new approach to accelerating success in work and in life and and he's talking about uh a lot more of that transformational instructional leadership he kind of walks the line between the two because he's getting them on the bus he's moving them forward and and he's moving the whole bus forward and it really is inspiring to see what they're doing at the Ron Clark Academy. Now they have a little bit more leeway because they're either a charter or a private school. So it does look a little bit different, but they're doing some really cool stuff and they're focusing on some really cool things um, that I would love to implement in my school. So let me ask you this, because this is nothing against Ron Clark. I've seen a couple of administrators in our district do something similar. What happens when the person behind leaves like is have they created a system and there there's a school in our district right have they created a system that everybody follows because they have to or because the person wants them to or because the person's leading them and that person leaves and it falls apart like how do you create that that um built to last kind of thing right where the the culture outlasts the administrative team yeah. instead of crumbles. And I'm not saying that it has, cause I don't know. I'm just curious. Cause that comes up a lot actually. Yeah. In fact, I've actually read a few books written by uh, some of his teachers and some of his administration staff, they've caught the vision. And so the hope would be that through the board and through the people that he leaves behind, they're able to continue it. It, it is a valid question and it will be interesting to see the longevity of it. But I think it's something that the school is literally built around it. I mean, the right. building is built right. around those philosophies. They have a slide from the second story to the main story, right? Right. Wow. I, I worked with a happens. teacher. I worked with a teacher who went who went on a on a trip there yeah. earlier. They host so. a lot of people. Um. So one of the things that we're going to try and add uh, to this podcast is an interactive piece where uh, listeners that that listen to the podcast or that we reach out to give us feedback or give us information or share thoughts. Uh, so Stuart's going to share uh, one of our listeners, Alex from Oregon, um, basically shared some thoughts about uh, where he's coming from, his leadership style. Um, do you want to share it? Yeah, let's go. So Alex, he's a high school principal in Oregon. Um beautiful place. Just got back from Portland. Loved it. He said, I've been a principal for over 10 years and I found that my leadership style has evolved considerably. Initially, I, leave, I leaned heavily towards an instructional leadership style focusing on curriculum and teacher performance. But over the years, I've shifted towards a more transformational approach. I realized that by inspiring and motivating my staff, we could collectively create a more positive and dynamic school environment. This shift has not only impacted and improve staff morale, but has also had a noticeable impact on student engagement and achievement. I love it. I love how Alex says, and I think that's pretty normal to start with the instructional leadership style. Uh, even though lots of times we don't feel like we even have enough time to be instructional leaders, uh, it's easy to focus, not easy. 
it's a little bit more black and white focusing on curriculum and teacher performance. You've got data, you've got stuff that you can check off and you can look at. Uh, but I've seen this happen with other principals I've worked with that the later they get on in their career, the much more the focus becomes on transformational approach where they're looking at how can I help my staff? What can I do to inspire and motivate them uh, to make it be a creative and dynamic school environment? Um, because ultimately it's the adaptability. If we're not recognizing that we need to be adaptable and we need to change and embrace that, um, we're going to get stagnant and no one likes stagnant. Stagnant is gross. I think, I think at the, at the, the core of everything that you just said is you, you have to create a place again, whether you're a teacher leader, an assistant principal or principal, you have to create a place that people want to go to work. And if, if it's not there, it doesn't matter all of the other stuff. If people don't like going to work, then none of those things will really be put into play. Um, and, you know, there's there's administrators that come in and kind of with an iron fist or a thumb and are pushing down on everybody to get change. I recognize that sometimes that has to happen. I recognize that there are sometimes it's like, hey, we are putting you here to turn this around. We need this turned around. We need you to put your you know, kind of your foot down and your, your whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But what will happen generally when you talked about this at the very beginning, when you have high expectations and you hold people accountable, people that do not want to be held accountable will remove themselves from the situation. They'll go find another place to work. They'll go find another career. You can, you can hold people accountable in a kind, loving way, but also letting them know like this might not be for you, right? This this might not be a place that you want to work because this is where we're going. Um, and, and we both have a good friend, hopefully at some point that we can get him on the podcast. And that's really his main goal right now is to create a place where teachers want to work and kids are safe. Um, I, and I actually worked at that building prior to where I'm at now. I don't necessarily think it was an unsafe place, but I wasn't there long enough to know because uh, I was only there for six months, kind of the feel, and that was during COVID. So it was everything was just weird during that time. So yeah. Um, okay, so we're gonna finish off and share um, some books, some resources that we think would help future leaders. Um, just kind of what five or six books that we have put together. Yeah. Uh, I'll share the first couple, and then you can share the last three. So the first one, and this is I feel bad, right? Dare to lead. Um, Brene Brown, this book discusses the challenges leaders face in organizational success, such as avoiding hard conversations, lacking productive feedback, fear of taking risks and perfectionism. The next one is Coherence, the right drivers and actions for schools, districts and systems. This is by Michael Fullan and Joanne Quinn. And it's considered basically the foundational text for um, educational leadership. And so yeah. I would add those two. And you've got what, three that you want to add? Yeah. Uh, one that I read, if you've been in education for any length of time, you've heard of the book, uh, Teach Like a Pirate. And Dave Burgess has spun off and has a slew of books now um, that they publish. And so there's a book called Lead Like a Pirate, Make School Amazing for Your Students and Staff. I really enjoyed it. I read it my first year or two in administration. And it really focuses on what you need to do to create dynamic and inspiring learning environments. So that one was good, not as your personal leadership style, but what to do with the school as a whole. 
the other one, leadership styles, how to discover and leverage yours. It's not written specifically for education, but it's great because it's going to go over different leadership styles. And then you obviously just are going to apply it to the educational fields. Uh, and then the last one back on track, fewer things, greater depth, which I had a, a mentor that used, he still says, you know, we teach curriculum in the school. It's a mile wide and an inch deep. We don't go deep enough because we've got too much we've got to cover. But that book really helps break it down and figure out your core purpose, not only as a school, but also as a leader. So those are some of my favorite ones for that. So one of the things that we're doing, and you may have noticed if you're listening to this podcast regularly, is that we, um, Stuart and I, are going to be breaking down books uh, every other week. And so you'll get a book a week that'll just be kind of broken down in our core values and the information and the, you know, the the highlights of the book that we pulled out from that. Um, and, and we both read books that are outside of the educational field. We read psychology books, we read, you know, leadership books, business books, stuff like that. And so that's an Fantasy, opportunity for you. Zombies. It, yes. Yes. That's usually during summer, right? For me. But the, the idea is that you can grow from other books that are outside of education. So yeah, there's not okay. enough in education. So you've got to branch out and there's some great ideas outside education as well. I agree. I agree. So wrapping it up um, again, just to remember that leadership in, in education is always evolving. This is kind of my final thoughts. It's always evolving. And one of the keys to your personal leadership style is that you need to be adaptable, both to the current political environment, education environment, but also to your students and your teachers and staff as you change buildings, change locations, change campuses, change communities, is that your adaptability is going to be key when facing challenges in your leadership role. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks for joining us today. If today's episode sparked any new ideas or reinforced your leadership approach, please subscribe. It's gonna help us the most. Leave a review, share it with your friends within your educational network that are gonna be interested. Uh, join our Story School community on social media. We're on all the big platforms where we like to dive in to have discussions and insights. Until next time, keep leading, keep inspiring, and keep making a difference in the world of education. Signing off. See ya. <laughs>